All right. And I'm back. 347-202-0215 is the number. And uh, we'll go ahead and get back into the sports talk and talk a little boxing. Uh, for those of you who have, you know, listened to me for a while, you know that I, I love the sweet science. I love to discuss it whenever I can. Try to keep it alive because I feel like my generation is kind of the, the last of the boxing fans, and I want to see a younger generation come along and have the same interest. So I have a few people to bring on. Um, but first, I want to welcome on my guest. He is from the Golden State of California. He is an author, written a book called Making America Boxing in Los Angeles. You can get it at Amazon, and I'm pretty sure some other places that we'll uh, discuss in a little bit. But I would like to welcome Gene Aguilera to the show. <laughs> wow, wow. Thank you, Quincy. Thank you. Okay, Quincy. how you doing great, today? Great, Quincy. Thank you. What a great crowd you have there. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I'm going to bring on a couple of other people to join us because um, I know they have some questions for you and they just like discussing boxing. A couple of these guys you may be familiar with as I go to the 716 area code up there in upper New York to welcome on the young brothers, Brian and Kevin. Fellas, how's it going? Thank you. Good to talk to you again, brother. What's going Doing on? Doing great to you. Hey, Kevin. Good to talk to you, man. Good to talk to Gene. Great to hear your voice, Mr. Aguilera. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Is this Brian or Kevin? Well, it's both of us, but that was Kevin who said it. Brian ignored you altogether. Yeah, I completely blew you off there, Gene, you know. (laughs) All right, right. and I got to welcome back on um, Eminem down in Jackson, Mississippi, Ray in New Jersey, and Buck in Pensacola, Florida. Get you guys back on, but uh, y'all can say hello to everyone, and then I'll go ahead and get into this with Gene. what's up? And so, uh, Gene, first of all, man, um, you have the, the book. Mexican American boxing in Los Angeles. Can you tell us a little bit about the book and what inspired you to write this? Why was this important for you? Well, uh, you know, we've got so many great Mexican boxers in this area. I mean, uh, California is is known to have a a heavy populated Mexican American uh, Latino state and uh, all the great fighters, you know, every for, you know, for the last, hundred years uh uh we've got such a great uh just group of boxers starting from uh baby Arismendi, uh from aurelio herrera those are the guys in the in the early 1900s and uh and then it, it just kept on going to uh enrique bolaños manuel ortiz uh, Art Aragon, Mondo Ramos, Carlos Palomino, and on and on. And the big, the big hub over here was uh, the Olympic Auditorium. I mean, that's where we all went. I started going there in the early seventies, uh-huh. and uh, I was lucky to catch all the great boxers there, like uh, Frankie Doherty, Alberto Davila, Danny Little Red Lopez, Carlos Palomino, Bobby Chacon, and. Uh-huh. Uh, there's never there's never been a book that put all these great Mexican American boxers in one place. 
And uh, I just got motivated to write it. I, I saw another book uh, one time. At, uh, I was in Borders before they, they closed down, and, and there was a book called Mexican American Baseball in Los Angeles. And I, I, th- I saw it. It was interesting, and I bought it, took it home, and I read it, and I said, you know what? I could, I could do something like this with my collection, my pictures. I could do this. So uh, the, I sent an email to Arcadia Publishing, and, and voila, I, 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 they sent me a contract. I got a deal, and, and it took me like two, three years to write it, but, but it, I'm very, very proud of it. Uh, it's done well. I've, I've really pushed it uh, hard on on the street and the libraries, the bookstores here in Southern California, and, and we even make trips out to New York uh, to the Boxing Hall of Fame, the, Inter- the International Boxing Hall of Fame, and uh, we we pushed it over there really well. And I got to meet uh, great guys like uh, Brian and, and Kevin Young, the brothers. They're, they're the, some of the nicest guys that I've met over there in, in Canastota. And uh, here we are. Here we are. We're getting ready for our next book, Quincy. Okay. All right. Great. So, well, explain how you got in the boxing in the first place. What made you, you know, decide, hey, this is something I have an interest in? You know, as as a ten year old kid, I was, uh, you know, I, I was reading the newspapers. Uh, in those days, the Los Angeles Times and the Los Angeles Herald Examiner. I was following the Dodgers and. That was in the glory days of the of the early 60s, like Sandy Koufax and Don Drysdale. But there was a fight coming up, and that was Cassius Clay, the challenger versus world champion Sonny Liston, Sonny the Bear Liston. Liston. And that fight captivated me. I, I even I even cut articles about it. You know, it was coming. They were they were promoting it every day in the paper, and I cut the articles and I glue them into my little scrapbook. And like, you know, 50 years later, I ran into the scrapbook and it's all in there, the, all my little articles of, of boxing. So I have to say the, the Sonny Liston and uh, Cassius Clay, who later became Muhammad Ali, was the fight that, that I got the boxing bug on. Okay, I'm sure that would have inspired anyone for sure. Yeah, and I, and I lived, you know, and I lived it, you know, I lived it and I breathed it, you know, as it was happening, and uh, and from there, you know, the Olympic Auditorium was maybe about eight miles away from my house, and uh-huh. uh, we, we'd cross the bridge from East LA and to go into downtown LA where the Olympic Auditorium was, uh, and then also the Main Street gym was in uh, downtown LA on Third and Main, on the in Skid Row. So I used to take the bus over there and uh, and go hang out at the Main Street gym. I never was a boxer, but I made a lot of friendships that uh, that have lasted to this day, including uh, one of my best friends, my compadre Ruben Olivares, the four-time champion of the world, Hall of Famer, that uh, that Brian and Kevin know very well. Okay. Okay. Now tell me a little bit about the Main Street Gym, you know, because we we hear we've heard about you know the Crump Gym and some of the more famous places. Is that was that the spot in the L.A. area? Yes, that was the spot. Uh, it was uh, it was in downtown L.A. on Pier Skid Row, and you'd walk into the you'd walk under the sign that said Main Street Gym. World world rated boxers train here daily. 
and you would see Alexis Arguello, Roberto Duran, Muhammad Ali. Wow. You'd see some of the retired guys like Archie Moore just hanging out. And then the gym owner, Howie Steinler, was there. He ran it. He, he was the he was the uh, he was a model that they used in the Rocky movie, the Burgess Meredith, uh, you know, the character. Uh huh. They modeled Burgess Meredith after Howie Steinler, who ran the Main Street Gym. He was just a tough little guy. And he, uh, Howie Steinler also managed Danny Little Red Lopez and Alberto Davila, amongst others. But uh, uh, that Main Street Gym was was the place to go to. Uh, uh, Howie ran it from 1960 till till he got he was murdered in 1977. Wow! Uh, but the gym kept on going. Yeah, the gym—it's an unsolved murder. Uh, it's never—they never found out who did it. Uh, but his daughter Carol Steinler ran ran the gym uh, until 1984 when it finally closed down. Okay. All right, and fellas, I'll let you get to your your questions um, or comments in just a moment. I got a few more things I want to ask Jane. And Jane, so as far as what's in the book, can you give us a little bit of what people would get? If they purchase this book, sure, sure. It's it's a it's a book. It's a historical book. It's educational. It's entertaining. It's uh, you're not going to get bored because it's a picture caption book. So I've got all these great pictures, starting from the 1900s, and I end up with uh, Oscar De La Hoya, and I have each chapter broken down into the decades, the different decades, like the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. Uh, and it, it's it's got all the great boxers that were here in, in L.A. Uh, it's got pictures of the weigh-in, pictures of the ring, pictures in the Main Street gym, posters, programs, all interesting stuff that you can learn about uh, the history of Los Angeles. There, uh, there's a lot of history in there, and also boxing. So even if you're not a boxing fan, you would find this entertaining and and and, and historical because of the uh, the great pictures in there. Okay. All right, and fellas, I'll open it up to you all if you have questions. Um, I mean, I have Quincy, quite a few in my questions. hand. Those are great. Those are great questions, by the way, that you have. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, so I'll open it to the to the guys. You all have any questions right off the top? Well, hey, Q, this is Kevin. A um, couple things, Gene. First, um, if people don't know, and uh, Gene is just a tremendous, tremendous uh, person in the sport of boxing. He is a highlight for us every year at the Boxing Hall of Fame. And, and just to put it in perspective, on the back of the book, which I happen to be holding in my hand, the signed <laughs> copy that Mr. Aguilar uh, was kind enough to... Uh, to sign for me, uh, in the you. on the back of the book it says uh, Bert Sugar. For those of you who may not be familiar, Mr. Sugar was the greatest uh, historian of boxing uh, that I've ever yes. met, of course. Uh, Bert Sugar called Mr. Aguilera an, histor- an historian and trusted advisor to many Latino fighters. So yes. Gene uh, yes. has been around the sport for, and not just uh, as a casual fan, but actually involved in. in we met him, obviously, at the Hall of Fame through Ruben. Um, and one of my favorite pieces in this book uh, is the quick caption story that you tell about the Ruben Oliveira's Danny R- Little Red Lopez fight. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
was so if, was. Yeah, um, so Ruben uh, was Danny Lopez's hero, and uh, right. they actually ended up fighting. And uh, uh, long story short, Ruben knocked down Lopez. Lopez came back, knocked down Ruben twice more in the same round that he gives Florida, right. and later <laughs> knocked him out in the seventh. But uh, And afterwards talked about how he uh, – he knew he didn't fight Ruben at his peak. <laughs> but right, that was just, right. you know, those t- tiny little tidbits of history, you get out of just a captioned uh, picture and just tremendous photography throughout, uh, great action shots, great personal shots, behind-the-scenes stuff, and it's it's just a wonderful book. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Yeah, and, thank um, you, Kevin. Wow. Absolutely. And I know you mentioned a, another book coming out. What's yes, the next on, one on tap? Yes, I, I just turned it in today. The, I just approved the final draft on it, and uh, they're going to go to they're going to go to press tomorrow. But it will bo- it won't hit the streets until June the fourth, two thousand eighteen. And the title is Latino Boxing in Southern California, which is kind of a, a sequel to uh, Mexican American Boxing Los Angeles, except it's going to feature all the great fighters that, that people don't talk about, like Vicente Saldivar. Do you remember him? Absolutely. Kevin, do you remember him and Brian? Oh, Vicente Brian. Saldivar, Vicente Brian Saldivar was, was a great featherweight champion. He was a lefty. And this guy just mowed through the whole his whole division and – he, he, I think he knocked out everybody in the top ten, and he, and he, and then he, at at age twenty four, he finally retired because, I mean, he had no more mountains to climb. I mean, who's he gonna fight? And he retired, and then he came back, and won the title again, from Johnny wow. Famichon of of Australia. And then he retired again. He beat Frankie Crawford at the Olympic Auditorium, and then finally. He went against uh, the great Edgar Joffrey of, uh, in Brazil, and uh, uh, Joffrey knocked Vicente Saldivar out in the fourth round, and Saldivar finally retired after three comebacks. But this guy was this guy had a great record. He's in the Hall of Fame of uh, in Catastota, but it's a he's a figure that everybody kind of forgets about. So I'm I, I, I I'm going to have a lot of guys like him in my in my new book. Of course, along with Chavez, Arguello, Duran, I open it up to all the Latino fighters, uh, uh, and I end up finally with the, the Israel uh, Vasquez, Rafael Marquez uh, four-fight wars that they had. Do you, re- you remember those yeah, I was, guys? I was going to say, I don't know if they qualify as fights or actual just uh, <laughs> uh, street conflicts. So those were some yeah, serious, yeah, serious yeah. fights. <laughs> you know, I, I, that's funny that you mentioned that because that I put it there in my last chapter, and I call it Mexican Turf Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, those were some. Seriously. Yeah, 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 it was like they were they were like street muggings. They weren't they weren't it wasn't boxing. It was just like blood wars, yeah. blood affairs, but the great fights. Yeah, that uh, Morales and Morales, the they have some good fights too. That's the ones that come yeah. to mind when I think of Mexican Americans. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Quincy, I've got a love I've great got fight this. like that. Hey, Quincy. Yeah. Quincy, I've got the uh, Barrera Morales trilogy in my new book also, and uh, I tell the story of of about at one point they had the 
it was a true hatred between these guys. Uh, Barrera was a, a you know the uh, the kid from Mexico City, uh, and Morales, Eric Morales was a was a tough street kid from this, from uh, Tijuana, and they just didn't like each other. Uh, and it and their second fight at the in the press uh, in the tour, press tour in, in Houston. Uh, uh, Morales actually took a swing, you know, at the face-off, right? Yeah. He took a swing at he took a swing at Barrera and landed flush on his chin. I mean, I, I it was just unbelievable. I, I I've watched that on on YouTube at least a hundred times because it's it's just so interesting that that you know usually a lot of these guys just do a little pushing to get a little uh, publicity going for their fight, but this yeah. guy just he just cold cocked him. Morales cold cocked Barrera, and, and it was a big riot there in, in Houston at the uh, press conference. <laughs> but you know these no. guys, these guys just recently became friends. You know, they've had a grudge match for uh, many years. Uh, Barrera got inducted uh, last year at the uh, in, uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame in Minnesota, and this year it's going to be Eric Morales, and they've also invited Barrera <laughs> to be there. Okay, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, their last fight, um, which that's been about what fifteen years, I guess, or so. Uh, their last fight, I think it was. Uh, I can look it up pretty quick, but uh, their last fight was in two thousand. I'll tell you right now. It's in, it's in my new book. Uh, we'll get there in a minute. Scrolling down in the computer. Here we go. We're almost there. I hear some kids in the background. <laughs> and okay. Let's, let's see here. Their last fight. Here we go. First fight was in the year 2000. Second fight right. was in 2002. And the third fight was 2004. Every two okay. years. Okay. Now, I remember the last fight was, I think the last fight, um, well, all the fights went the distance, if I'm not mistaken. And the last one, well, all of them were pretty close, too, if I'm not mistaken, too. Um, yes, now, yes. Now Barrera got now, knocked down, knocked out or something in that second one. But I, 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 don't I think remember. he won. <laughs> okay, one of them was, it was either two, the second fight or the, the third fight, I think, made like fight of the year. I mean, it was just, it was an amazing fight. I can't remember which one. Um, yes, uh, it was the fight of the year and round of the year, round five, was in the first fight. Okay. Okay. That was in the that so, was in the very first fight in Mandalay Bay. And so I mean and that's that's pretty cool. And the fact that you know not not only do you have two guys who were uh, bantamweight, featherweight, somewhere around there, uh, just the there rivalry two, itself. Two yes. Okay. The it rivalry was, itself was, was was amazing. And uh, I, I mean so. And again, their origins played a part of it. Their origins played a part of it. And Buck, you wanted to get in earlier? Yeah, I had a question. Um, my question was, who do you rank the top three or top five, you know, best Mexican boxers? Wow. Doesn't matter uh, which weight I, class. You know, I, Ruben Olivares, I'm very tied to. He's a, we're compadres. He baptized my daughter. I've, do, I've known him the longest of anybody since the 70s. 
I love them dearly, but in my book, in my new book, I state that Julio Cesar Chavez is the greatest box, Mexican boxer uh, ever. And it's just, he had a, he had just streaks of, uh, I think he went 89, he went 89 and 0 before his first defeat against uh, uh, Frankie Randall. That's crazy. He was just, he was just amazing. And I think he was a, a four-time, five-time world champion. Uh he went 106 and five. I think was his final record with 89 knockouts. I mean, just an incredible warrior, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez. Number two, I'm going to go with Ruben. Ruben Olivar is a four-time world champion, two-time bantam, two-time feather. Broke all the attendance records at the Forum. Idol of Mexico. Number three, I'm going to go Salvador Sanchez. The the great featherweight champion who who destroyed Rolfredo Gomez at, at Caesar's Palace. Uh, just he he beat he beat everybody in his in his, in his division. Uh, Juan Laporte, Ruben Castillo, Azuma Nelson. Just uh, just amazing and tragically he died at age 23 in a in a in a car wreck. Uh, he had a Porsche. Uh, he was head, he went out he went out for a good time one night and was rushing back to camp at you know three in the morning. Hit a hit hit a big truck and he, he just he died right on the spot. Wow. Number number four number four. Ah, gets tough. You got Ricardo you got Ricardo Finito Lopez, who retired uh, fifty one and zero, never lost. Wow. Great. great Great WBC minimum weight champion, also known as strawweight, from Mexico City. Just incredible. Uh, number five. Oh, my God. That's going to be tough. I mean, it, it's just a, a tie between Ferreira, Morales, and, and uh, Marquez. I mean, that's the only okay. way you could do it. Yeah, Mor- Morales and Barrera are almost synonymous with each other. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Right. I mean, some of the, I mean, a, a lot of people know a lot of uh, a lot of these Mexican boxers. Uh, um, like you know, now you have you know Canelo Alvarez. Um, everyone's familiar, of course, with Oscar De La Hoya. We mentioned Barrera and Morales, um, and Chavez Senior and Junior. Um, Abner Merez is a good fighter. Leo Santa Cruz, right. uh, yeah, Fernando Vargas. They're fighting each uh, other. Uh, uh, they're having the rematch. Mars and, and, and Santa Cruz are having the rematch in June. Okay, okay. That's going to be a great fight. Um, the Ghost, Robert Guerrero, you know, mm-hmm. um, solid mm-hmm. fighter. And so there are a ton of fighters, but um, you mentioned the second book is more of a focus on Latinos more so than just Mexicans. And Mexican-American there are other... Mm-hmm. Okay, so I mean, there are other regions um, outside of Mexico where you have a lot of fighters that people take pride in. Like um, I know, like as far as Argentine boxers with Sergio Martinez um, or Lucas Matisse or Marcos Maldana. I mean, can you talk about some of the other countries that have some of these yeah. great fighting? Because I think that boxing is unique. Boxing and track and field, they still have that that pride factor when it comes to your country. Okay. 
it's almost like the Olympics. Every time the you know you have a boxing match or a track and field meet or something like that, can you can you talk about some of the other countries you're familiar with? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, from from Cuba, we had some great fighters out of there uh, that uh, when they escaped uh, Cuba because of, uh, Fidel Castro was going to ban professional boxing. They escaped uh, to uh, to Mexico. They ended up in Mexico City's guys like Jose Mantequilla-Napolis and uh, Ultiminio Sugar Ramos. Those are two names that, that come to my mind right away. Uh, great Cuban fighters who ended up being just idolized in Mexico. Uh, and then you had Carlos Monzon from, uh, from Argentina. He's another one that people should be talking to. Any boxing historian fan should be talking about Carlos Monzon. I mean, just incredible fighter. Do you guys, do you remember them, uh, Brian or Kevin? Oh, oh absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Carlos Monzon, man, just, uh, he's, he's like, people forget about him like they forgot about Vicente Saldivar, you know, those two guys. And then, uh, you, of course, you have Roberto Duran from Panama. He's in my new book. Uh, Alexis Arguello from Nicaragua, who knocked out Ruben Olivares at the forum to, uh, uh, to that's how Arguello won his first title. Uh, so you've got, you know, a lot of great fighters from, uh, from uh, the different Latin American countries. And that's, that's what my second book is about, as opposed to the first one, which is more of the Mexican-American fighters. I know okay. a lot of Puerto Rican fighters take a lot. They they got ah, some good boxing coming out of there. Oh my God! Yeah, who's 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 just said that? That's a great point. Who's who's that? Eminem. Just Eminem, man. Oh, oh Eminem. Yeah. My favorite Eminem, Mexican. You know, I, I forgot about sorry, Puerto go Rico. My God. In my in my new book, I've got Wilfredo Gomez. I, I the the fight against Salvador Sanchez is a big cornerstone in my new book. Uh, yeah, I mean. If you're a boxing fan, please go to YouTube and watch that full fight. It's about an eight-rounder, and you never see so much excitement in your life. I mean, the guys today are sparring compared to what those guys, the way those guys fought. I uh, think my uh, Puerto, favorite Puerto Rican boxer was uh, Wilfred Benitez. Yo, my God, yes, he was another great fighter. It was he came in that era of the of the Walter Waits, you know, when uh, Tommy Hearns and Sugar Ray Leonard, yeah. uh, Carlos Palomino, Wilfredo Benitez. It just they just it was just an incredible uh, Walter Waite uh, uh, group yeah. of champions at that time. My, my favorite one was was, was Tito <laughs> Trinidad. Trinidad. Oh, Tito, yeah. Oh yeah. Tito Trinidad. Man. Yeah. You can't forget. Uh, Hector Camacho as well, another uh, good Hector, Puerto Rican. Yes. Uh, Macho Camacho is also Macho Camacho, yeah. <laughs> the Macho Man is in my book. What a tragic story that was. You know, I let know, me tell you I about know. the Macho Man. Let me tell you about the Macho Macho Man. He was like a five time world champion and he never got knocked out in the ring. As much as he was, you know, people booed him and hated him, they could never nobody ever knocked him out in the ring. How's that? <laughs> nice. He was elusive. He was, he's such an elusive fighter and colorful, entertaining. And uh, what a tragic ending to him. 
Yeah, it really it, was. I always, I always said if that if uh, Hector Camacho had Felix Trinidad's punch, he'd be considered the greatest fighter of all time. Right, right. He didn't. Yeah, he he lacked he lacked that knockout punch. He sure uh, did. Gene Bryan here. Um, yes. I, first of, I want to uh, tell you know everybody out there what a fantastic book it is too. I uh, my entire life have been a boxing historian and fan, and have collected books. I have bookshelves I'm on bookshelves of boxing books and it's right up there at the top of the list um, oh thank you. thank you it's so exciting and it, it you know I'm reliving a lot of the fights that I'm reading about in the book and I'm getting as excited <laughs> as I was watching them I mean it's really that great a book thank um you. but I'd like to actually ask you about one of the great things and very unique thing about boxing <clears throat> excuse me is um you know, certain cities with local traditions and local pride, like Philadelphia had the Blue Horizon Fight Club, and of course Los Angeles' Olympic Auditorium. And the Forum. And and the Forum, of course. But the yeah. Olympic Auditorium was so famous in Los Angeles for putting on such amazing cards, and not just headlining fights, but full cards that no one outside of Los Angeles remembers. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, some of the uh, really crazy and wild times and amazing fight cards that were there. Not just the headlining fights, but, you know, future champions and up-and-coming fighters that had so much potential and might not have uh, pulled through, but that were, you know, Olympic auditorium regulars. You know, let let me tell you, I'll tell you this funny story. Uh, I used to go to the Olympic Auditorium a lot. I mean, not every week. You know, it was every Thursday. But I went, I went like every two, three weeks. I was there. You know, as soon as if I was a fighter that I liked, I went. And I remember one one card there was on a. Usually the fights were on Saturday, Thursday nights. Excuse me. But this one card was on a Saturday, and it was the, uh, it was a Bazooka Limon, uh, Belthemi title fight. And on the undercard was a guy I'd been hearing a lot about. Salvador Sanchez was on the undercard. The first time he fought in L.A. And uh, he was fight he was fighting a kid named Juan Escobar from Tijuana. So you know, usually we'd go to the fights. You know, I'd be a group of friends of mine. You know, three four guys. Let's jump in the car. Let's go. No, I couldn't get anybody excited on a Saturday night to go to the Olympic with me. So I went by myself. I didn't. I didn't like to go by myself, uh, but you know, once I got there, you know, I knew I knew half of the people there, so it was okay. But just uh, that seeing Salvador Sanchez for the first time, and it, in fact, it was a draw because they he they both had each other down on the mat, and it turned out to be a draw. I I, w- I went to see Sanchez because I, re- I I was reading so much about him, and uh, look what he turned out to be after that. Just yeah, like you said, one of the greatest fighters of all time by I the age so. of 23. I, he was 44 and 1 with 38 knockouts. Just Sanchez was a uh, just a gem and he, he had eight title defenses eight title defenses WBC featherweight crown and he was just peaking. Not even yet. Yeah, I think he was a couple of years away from peaking. He was so good. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. An, another fight. Uh, I, I I have two really sad memories uh, going to the Olympic Auditorium because I 
I was there at the uh, Lupa Pintor Johnny Owen fight. The Method Matchstick they called Johnny Owen because he was skin and bone. And uh, I was there that night, and it was, uh, you know, it was a close fight. Owen was Owens was was taking all the taking a lot of the rounds. I think he was slightly ahead on the scorecards, but in the uh, in the seventh round, Pintor dropped Johnny Owen, hurt him. And in the ninth, he just finished him off, and it was it was really sad. The, the way Johnny Owen went down, it was it was it was, it was something not good going to happen out of there. They carried him out on a stretcher. The crowd, you know, the crowd didn't know that he was going to die or that he was dying, and they were throwing beer at him and you know on the stretcher. Oh, wow. It was pretty sad. Yeah, it was it was a crazy night, and he ended up dying like 43 days later in the hospital. And uh, uh, another fight I saw was uh, another sad fight I saw. There was the Alberto Davila against Kiko Bihinas. And uh, that was another one. Uh, and Davila was not known as a, a strong puncher. I mean, he was, they were fighting for the vacant uh, band, WBC Bantamweight title. And uh, he beat, uh, he beat Kiko Bihinas of, uh, of Mexico and Bihinas died three days later in the hospital. So I was there and, you know, I hate right. to bring everybody down, but it's part of part of life, and, and it was uh, one, two nights that I'll, I'll always carry with me the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah there's definitely been some tragedies in boxing. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. always sad to see. Can, can I ask you a question? Um, as far as like the the, the gyms, like yeah, like when like when you think of. Uh, Mexican-American boxers, you know, you always think of number one, L.A., or maybe even some other part of California, but specifically L.A. What's kind of yeah. like, uh, do they have some good gyms maybe in places you don't really hear of, like El Paso yeah. and San Antonio and Houston? Okay. Well, you know, I don't I don't know uh, too much about the ones out, out there, but there was another one uh, that was called the Hoover Street Gym, and that was uh, that was obviously on Hoover Street. Right. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and uh, it was it was it was it was more where the uh, the uh, you know the uh, African American fighters trained at. Right, right. <laughs> and 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 uh, it was uh, it was a, they called it the place where champions were made. So the Hoover Street Gym and and all the all these places are knocked down. The Main Street Gym is knocked down. It's not a parking lot. The Hoover Street Gym. I don't know what's there right now, but that that was. Uh, a place where a lot, a lot of famous boxers went and trained there. Okay. Those are the two biggest and ones. I have a couple, a uh, couple of questions that come to mind, Jane, and one of them yes. is the perceived toughness of Mexican boxers. Mexican boxers have always been stereotyped as being super tough. I remember when I was a kid, my father told me um, when I was probably about five or six years old that if you get into the ring with a Mexican boxer, you better bring a baseball bat. So where, <laughs> where do you think this perceived toughness came from, I mean, that you could not knock out a Mexican boxer? Well, you know, Mexican Mexican fighters, you know, they're they're they were just born hungry, you know, and they have that that toughness. And I'm not saying the other races don't aren't uh, there's a lot of tough guys in all the you know, whites and the blacks and Filipinos are all tough, but the Mexican fighter knows only one style, comes straight ahead, you know, 
I'll take a punch, and but I'm going to land one right on you. It's just their style of fighting. Uh, uh, I mean, just when when there's when they're training for a fight, the some of the I remember seeing some of the uh, sparring matches at the uh, at the Main Street Gym, which were tougher than the actual fight that's itself. So they, I mean, they were just trained. They're just tough guys, and and I, I really appreciate their style of fighting. Yeah, I think so too. I remember um, after the Roberto Duran fight with Sugar Ray Leonard when um, Robert, you know the No Moss fight. I just remember how stunned my father was because it, it was just something he didn't think was possible. You know, I mean, I know. There was, that, that, and, and so that, that, you, know, uh, you know, you know, Quincy, that that's that's why people love boxing because you never know what you're going to get. You know, it's not. I mean, I'm, I don't want to take nothing away from baseball, but you know, it's right. That's right. an exciting game too. But boxing, I mean. Once it's in your blood, it's hard to it's hard to get out. As as the, as the youngs can tell you, uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of controversial things in boxing, but you know what? It's it's what kid it's it's what that's why we love the sport. I mean, exactly. You never know what you're gonna get. You know, like when when Duran fought Leonard the first fight. I mean, he just totally just he manhandled him. He just overpowered him. He 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 made a street fight out of it. Now the second yeah. fight was a whole different scenario. Uh, uh, Sugar Ray uh, frustrated him, and and Duran was, you know, was not in shape. You know, he ballooned up to 200 pounds, and he had to get down to 147. <laughs> and so, you know, he wasn't in the greatest shape. And and it's just it's just why we love boxing because it's it's like it's like a it's like watching a soap opera. You know, you, you yeah. never know what you're gonna get. You know, it's exciting. Every turn is exciting. And and you know what? And and here here at my house in Los Angeles, we have boxing on every Saturday night on the tube. We're watching it. We're watching all the fights. Yeah, you know that's the great. other great and thing I about. Think, uh, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. Go Mark. ahead. Oh, I was going to say the other great thing about boxing is it's it's not only about pride and you know pride in your in your country or your community but it's about respect too and when that respect is given either way um kevin could tell you we were at the first uh morales pacquiao fight in uh in las vegas wow and uh you had half of half an arena that was mexican half an arena that was filipino and two big <laughs> giant irish guys in the middle of it <laughs> and uh <laughs> Hey, they weren't gonna mess with they weren't gonna mess with you guys. I'll tell you that. Oh no, no, no! They thought we were the bodyguards. So <laughs> yeah, right, right. But as that fight progressed, you know, before it started, everyone in the crowd were like yelling at each other and throwing things and booing. And by the end of that fight, you just saw everybody—the Mexicans and Filipinos—hugging and high fiving each other. Uh, I mean, uh, boxing has that ability. I mean, the respect. Right? Yeah. When the fighters in the ring show that respect, the fans outside of it feel it too. Um, it, it's it's a sport about pride and respect, and that's a beautiful thing about it. Um, yeah, I have another yeah. question for Gene about um, <laughs> when um, when television in the seventies really picked up and started really focusing on a lot of West Coast fighters, yeah, and guys like Bobby Chacon and. Uh, Danny Little Red Lopez became household names. 
yes. how did that change the scene in Los Angeles itself with the with the forum and with the the Olympic? Did it really change how everything played out in the sport? Yes, it it did. I mean, Eileen Eden. We have to talk about her. She was a great uh, promoter at the Olympic Auditorium, and she she did fights on a weekly basis every Thursday night. And and if the fight was too big for the Olympic. She had it at the sports arena or the Coliseum or Dodger Stadium. And, uh, you know, she she was just a genius at at making a uh, – taking a kid like Bobby Chacon, you know, just starting him off and, and uh, you know, four-rounders, six, then going to six-rounders. And she'd keep him in the papers every day. He'd be fighting, uh, you know, every every month on on on, uh, on TV on Channel Five, and eventually she made these guys into world champions. And uh, both Bobby Chacon, Danny Little Red Lopez, Carlos Palomino, Armando Muniz, Alberto Davila, all those guys belong to her. And just I we have to give credit to Eileen Eaton, the great matchmaker, or Don Chargan was a matchmaker. Uh, and they worked as a great team together uh, at the Olympic Auditorium. And she made these guys stars. She knew how to do it. And that's a, that is an art that is lacking nowadays because we're starting to see fewer and fewer boxers that have that charisma that, that, that the old guys did, you know. Yeah. There's too many faceless, yeah. faceless boxers these days that they, they don't grab you like, like you know, like a Model Metal Paez, like a Rafael Relas, Gabriel Relas. I mean, that 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 we need. We, Oscar De La Hoya needs to go out there and find the next De La Hoya, which he might have in Ryan Garcia, by the way. <laughs> I was gonna, hey, I was gonna up, mention De La Hoya. You bring up De La Hoya, and I kind of want to speak to that because, like, um, like I'm in, I'm in Jackson, Mississippi. And now I remember kind of like the tail end of Ruben Oliveira's career. Um, I was yeah. only like two or three years old when he fought Bobby Chacon the first time. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, we didn't have the Internet back then. get quite everything from different regions like we do today. Are there other maybe um, Mexican promoters outside of Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy that we don't know about that? you know, maybe bursting on the scene to kind of help give, give more of a West Coast. Um, you know, um, you, know you know, Quincy, the Oscar is the, the biggest promoter. I mean, he, he's right there with top rank now. Uh, Don King is, is kind of fade, is pretty much faded away. Uh, then you have Premier Boxing with Al Heyman, which is, is still hanging in there. Uh, but in terms of any other Latino promoter, uh, Oscar is the man, uh, uh, but here's the thing. Let, let's talk about this for a minute. Uh, other than Canelo, the day that Canelo gets knocked out or retires, Oscar's cupboard is immediately pretty empty. Uh, he's got to go out and get some more fighters and build them, do the Eileen Eaton route, make these guys into local heroes, local idols, and uh, – you know, I'm surprised that 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 that's slipping away on on Golden Boy Promotions, because uh, once Canelo is out of the picture, uh, 
There's really nobody else. Can you guys think of anybody else in the uh, in this stable of uh, Golden Boy Promotions? Uh, that could carry the mantle? Uh, no. Um, he's there's, not even promoting no... his his own relative with the same name. <laughs> he's not getting exposure. Right. Um, right. He puts all his eggs in the Canelo basket. And, you know, and that and scenario what... you gave could be over with that Golovkin rematch. You know, I I had Golovkin win in the first fight very yeah by hair. I was close. There's no question. But to have an Adelaide Bird score at 118-110 Canelo is criminal. Absolutely. That kind of spoiled it. That kind of spoiled the rematch for me. Of course I'm going to watch it. Of course I'll pay $80 and watch it. Um, <laughs> but it's, I'm not that excited about the rematch. I hate to say it, guys, but... Hey, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Adelaide Bird is not going to be judging the rematch. <laughs> I think you're right. Probably you're right. You know, but that that's what – she was Oscar's ace in the hole to make sure that, that his boy Canelo didn't lose, see? Right. She, she was she was there to make sure that uh, that it was that it was not going to be a loss or it would have to be at least a draw. I mean, I, I'm okay right. with a draw, but not 118-110. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. All right, so a few more things, and we'll get ready to, to wrap it up before we run out of time. But um, one more thing as far as Mexican fighters uh, go, and then I want to ask, like, some questions about some of the fights that happened over the last couple of weeks. But, Jane, Mexican heavyweights, I mean, that almost sounds like a mock oxymoron. Where are the Mexican <laughs> heavyweights? And are there any good Mexican heavyweights that we don't know about? No, no, there's, there's not. We had Chris Ariola, but he, he just, he fought, he fought twice for the title. He fought Klitschko and he fought uh, Bernard uh, Stavern, Stavern, right? And he, he got and Deontay Wilder. Yeah. What's that again? He fought Deontay, Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder. I was yeah, actually, yes, I was yes. at that fight. You know what? That that's right. Chris Ariola fought. Three times for the title. He also fought Stiverne, the Don King's Don King's guy. Remember him, the guy with the uh, yeah, yeah. That's who, that's yeah. Wilder beat Wilder beat Stiverne for the title. Yeah, and, uh, right, you, right, right. So and you remember the you know, kid that uh, Roy Jones beat Ruiz? I think the Quiet Man, John no, Ruiz, Puerto Rican. No, yeah, Puerto Rican heavyweight. Okay, okay. He was Puerto Rican. But uh, you know, uh, we don't we don't have we don't have any. Uh, we don't have any heavyweights coming up. None. Zero. Uh, we had we had a guy back in the in the sixties and seventies, and I'm going to read you read a, a quote for you. It's real cute, right here. Right? It's in my new book. This guy named Joy Orbeo. You guys ever heard of him? No, that's that's one that gets past me. Yeah, Joy Orbeo. He was from Wilmington, California. And uh, let me just read you this quote here, uh, what he said. Uh, I'll, let, me read it. let me just read my book real quick. Joy Orbeo came along in the 1960s when the heavyweight division ah, turned here, was dominated by such names as Muhammad Ali, Smokin' Joe Frazier, Sonny Liston, and Ken Norton. Orbeo told the Los Angeles Times, I was Mexican and I was a heavyweight. That was totally unusual. <laughs> So, <laughs> Joey, Joey, uh, uh, you know he fought he fought Jerry Quarry. He got beat by Quarry. 
Uh, but he was uh, he was like what he was our local hero back in the uh, '60s and '70s at the Olympic Auditorium, but never okay. a world champion. You see? Wow, that's never hard. Yeah, and, and there are other there are other Latinos. There's Argentinian heavyweights. There's well, obviously we said John Ruiz of, of Puerto Rico. Um, you know, we just Ruiz saw a Cuban heavyweight fight last week against Deontay right. Wilder. Uh, but the Mexicans never really did have a big uh, big heavyweight. No, nope. not we really. Need, uh, you, there was a guy. You need you more Irish blood named, in you down there. <laughs> uh, you remember, there was a guy named Manuel Pulgarcito Ramos who fought Joe Frazier for the title, and uh, he wobbled Frazier, but Frazier came back the next round and knocked him out. So he was from Mexico City, but uh, you know we just we just haven't got that golden ring yet. That's okay. okay. There's no Japanese heavyweights either. <laughs> So right, if right. you're fighting a, a Mexican heavyweight, you have a chance. If he's a bantamweight, you better bring him back, like my dad said. That, that's <laughs> right. I like that one. I think that, I think that means tequila must stunt your growth or something. <laughs> yeah, something, something there. Look at Ruben. All right. So, so short. You know, so, you know, and that's something. I would like to. Please yes. go ahead. No, I was going to just say that. Uh, that uh, Ruben Olivares is, is uh, he just means a lot to me and my family. Uh, we we love him and we take him to Canastota every year in New York to the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, ever since he was inducted in 1991, we've gone almost, almost every year, and uh, it looks like uh, we didn't get the call this year. So you guys got to carry the torch for us over there, Brian and Kevin. Oh, and we will be. I, I mean, out. Me and Kevin have been going for well over 20 years now, even though we're only 23 and 24 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, one of my one of my first memories uh, of the Hall of Fame, and I've told it on this show before, is that we walked onto the grounds on a Thursday the first year we went there, and there was nobody there. And that's back they they didn't even have a pavilion built yet. They just had like a a stand set up with some chairs on it. And I looked at it, and there was these two little old men sitting there. And I looked at Kevin, and I said, oh, my God, that's Willie Pep and Archie Moore. Wow. And he looked at me and goes, how the hell do you know that? They're little old men. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, of course, it was them. And that same year, Ruben Oliveris uh, showed up on the grounds. And I was what, what, in what awe when I saw Ruben. Uh, this was early, early 90s. So Ruben showed up, and... I ran over to see him because, I mean, it was just, oh, my God, that's, you know, that's rock by Ruben. That's and right. I, I asked him to sign my program, and he had the biggest smile on his face, and he signed the program, and when he gave it back to me, he reached out and gave me a big bear hug. Oh, my God. Oh my God. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the that. kind of guy Ruben is. And for right. those of oh. you listening who don't, who are too young to remember him, go on YouTube Find some clips, and you're going to see one of the greatest fighters that ever laced on the gloves. That's right. That's right. Especially watch that fight when he won the title from Lionel Rose. Oh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Lionel Rose, Ruben Olivares. Okay. All right. You don't get named Rockabye for nothing. That's right. (laughs) Real quick before we wrap everything up, I want to talk about – what happened over the last couple of weeks? First, with the 
Deontay Wilder, uh, Luis Ortiz fight. Um, it ended up being a pretty challenging fight for Deontay, but he was able to overcome the southpaw and um, get a, a, a knockout late in the fight. Uh, now, I won't even get into the scorecard or whatever because um, I disagree with the, the scorecard that the judges had at the time. But um, can you talk? I mean, this is for anyone who, who saw the fight. What did you think of it? Did you think do you think that Deontay Wilder is vulnerable right now, um, and that Anthony uh, and that Joshua could take a, advantage of that, or do you think Joshua's going to kind of wait it out a little bit before they finally meet? You know, those guys should should fight should really fight at the end of the year. Uh, we're going to see how Joshua does against Parker. I, I'm really curious to watch that because. You know, when, when Joshua beat Klitschko, you know, both of those guys had each other down in the mat. That was a very tough fight. So I want to see if 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 Joshua lost anything, you know, because it was such a war. You know, maybe sometimes when you get cracked like that, you know, it, you don't come back that well. But So I'm very curious to see how Joshua is going to do. Uh, Wilder, I, I like Wilder. He was, he was in Canastota last year. He's a nice guy. But, man, I was very surprised the way he was just – he was basically non-existent in the the first six rounds. I mean, he was just backing up. He was he was throwing these wild windmill shots, right hands, and uh, uh, Ortiz was, was, was tagging him, you know. He, he hurt him. Uh, unfortunately for Ortiz, he couldn't he, – he, he's not a finisher. Ortiz is like 38 years old, I think, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. He's not a fin- he's not a he's not a finisher. Wilder is he's Wilder's is a closer. You know, once he tags you, you know, you're you're done. You don't I don't think you can recover from a Wilder shot. But I was very surprised that Mark Breland didn't didn't reel him in and and and, and tell him, you know, what are you doing? You're wild. I mean, Wilder was wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He he, he he didn't look like a heavyweight champion to me in the first few rounds. See, now Kevin, like an amateur. Um, Kevin, on the other hand, had a totally different take on that, which, yeah. you know, we were calling each other during the fight, as we tend to do. <laughs> if we're not watching it together, we'll be on the phone after every round. And uh, I had said, Wilder's not fighting right, and Kevin said he's suckering him in. Yeah, yeah so this is where I totally for the opening. Yeah, that's where I disagree with you, Gene, and we – we have a little potential side bet going, so I'm disappointed that you're not going to be in Canastota in June. So, but uh, right, right, yeah. Well, but maybe I, you, you should know, still come you, anyway. <laughs> damn it! <laughs> if you see Ed Brophy, ask him, ask him, where's Ruben? Where's Ruben? That's that's the phrase. I'm, where's Ruben? I'm I might call tomorrow and ask and say, hey, where's is Ruben, Ruben coming? <laughs> if he's not coming, damn it, get Brophy on the horn. But, <laughs> but yeah. Brian's right. I, I, Ortiz, the way he was set up, he's sideways. There was no yep. clear entrance, and he was he was shutting down anything with the jab. Yeah. You saw Wilder. He was just patient and patient. He was closing the gap, closing the gap, and all of a sudden, bam, he can make contact. And right. I believe it was the fifth or sixth. I think it was the fifth round. I think it was when he landed that big shot that knocked Ortiz down the first time. Um, and then the seventh, Ortiz landed the, the good one back. But I think it was just a, a strong, patient performance by Deontay early. It was boring. Don't get me wrong. 
I, 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 thought, was, I thought that I thought Deontay was losing the fight. I, yeah, I did. He was losing the fight. It was close to me because hard. there wasn't a lot of action. For someone with that type of knockout power to sit and wait, that's a lot of discipline. That's a lot of discipline. Yes. You know, that's that's taking a risk. You're taking a risk because you could get caught too, you know. <laughs> yeah, which exactly. he did in the seventh. Which he yeah. did. Yeah. 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 He almost went down. Then, he, he got wobbled. He got wobbled in the seventh round. Yeah. And then something and then else he, he's he, gonna he, have to stop doing. He's gonna have to stop rushing in on people when he thinks he has them hurt. Somebody's gonna fold him one day. Yep. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah, one, so, uh, you can't you rush guys, in like that and, and be and punching like? wild. Who do you like, Joshua or Wilder? Wilder. I like. I like Wilder. Yeah, I still like Wilder. I like Joshua. Uh, I think Joshua wins. He's more disciplined. There's another side bet. (laughs) More disciplined, uh, you know. And I mean, and and then don't forget, Wilder is going to be fighting in front of ninety thousand people that don't like him. But remember this too, Gene. When we when we saw Wilder in Canastota last year, he was was, he he was probably at his walk around weight, maybe two thirty, two thirty five. He's, but he's, he's in great shape. But he still looked so thin. Yes. Um, you know what? I took a and with thin. I, I, Brian, I took a picture with him, and oh, and I remember I had my hand, you know, you know how you just put your arms around each other? He, yeah. I mean, his waist was like a 22 waist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and, and he, he was sick before that fight. He came in at 214. So he was yeah, that's right. drained. He came in, he, he came in light for this fight. Right. He was drained from an illness, so that's why he was probably extra cautious in the fight, which is I think he'll fight differently when he does, when if he ever gets Joshua in the ring. But I was telling somebody, when you see Deontay Wilder in person, you're surprised that he looks so small. But then you he's, remember he's, he, he has clothes on. Once he takes his clothes off, he's like granite. Uh, he's fr- he's, his frame is so small. Yeah, when I when, when we had our arm like we were hug, you know hugging for the picture, I mean, literally, I I had my my hand right around his waist. I was because it was it was that 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 impressed me a lot. And it's amazing yeah. to see someone at that height be the same weight as Chris Bird. I mean, he was really light in that fight. He was really light. Right. No doubt. Two four. Two fourteen. Yeah, that was that was small for a guy who's six foot eight or six seven or whatever oh, yeah. it is. Right. But okay, so really quick, really quick before we shut things down, uh, Mikey Garcia and Sergey Lipinets. Yeah. Mikey Garcia did his thing. I mean, um, yeah. and um, he he took it to him, and I thought it was a really good fight. I, it was I, an amazing I, I fight. I enjoyed watching that fight. Uh, you know, Garcia he moved up to buck forty. Uh, what a left! Do you see that? How about that left shot that he dropped him with in the fifth round? I think just an incredible left. Uh, but you know, everybody's saying that Garcia should have went more to the body. He, he might have been able to finish him. He just kind of forgot about the body shot. What do you guys think? I, I think. Yeah. I think he lost two years of his career out of contract disputes that could have been his absolute prime. Right, and what right. we're seeing on Mikey Garcia is a guy getting into ring shape. 
um, yes, after right. such a long layoff. And he's going to get better and better. And as it stands right now, he's the second most exciting Garcia to watch fight. Because you all know. <laughs> yeah, Gene, Gene, you're not you're not familiar with the thing, but anybody who fights, Brian picks Danny Garcia to win the fight, even when Danny Garcia oh, isn't God. fighting. Yeah. In fact, yeah. yeah. If you ask me who's going to win that, that Deontay Wilder Anthony Joshua fight, it's Danny Garcia. Yeah. Danny Garcia, you know, when you got six toes, you're not getting beat. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's balanced. Oh, man. He's balanced. Well balanced. All right. Man. We have some great fights upcoming. Um, yeah. You know, the, the Joshua, uh, Anthony Joshua, Joseph Parker fight will be interesting on March 31st. Uh, yeah. Uh, Iris Landy Lara and Jared Hurd on April 7th should be pretty interesting. So, mm-hmm. uh, pretty good fights upcoming. I didn't get to see the Sergey Kovalev fight. I don't know if either if any of you saw it and can talk on it. And I didn't get to see Kel Brook fight uh, as well. Um, I think he fought a week or two ago. Well, mm-hmm. the Crusher the Crusher fight was something else. He just beat the tar out of his uh, fellow Russian opponent for five or six rounds before the. And he had three or four <laughs> different cuts on his face, literally, and they and they called a halt to the bout. Um, actually, our friend Eric Marlinsky was judging that fight. Um, it was the same night as, as the Wilder fight, the same city right. too. It was at MSG. So I sent him a text after the fight saying. You know, congrats on getting the crusher, but boy, did you miss a hell of a show at the Barclays. <laughs> and he said, yep, heard all about it. <laughs> but the crusher looked like the crusher again. Just as long as it's not Andre Ward in front of him, he's going to knock you out. Right. You think you think he's going to yeah. be able to lure Andre Ward back for uh, for the third fight? Ward's talking about, about it. What's Ward, that? Here Ward. About... Go ahead. Ward took to social media and was talking about coming back for it. Well, but that's the only fight that, that that's only the money fight for both of those guys. Otherwise, you know, they're not going to make the big, big bucks. You know, <clears throat> I don't think Kovalev wants a third fight with Ward. You know, Kovalev is getting old. He's like, what, 36 now. And, and he's like, this guy just beat me two different ways. How am I going to fight him? Right, right, <laughs> right. No, he's got his no. Ward's got his number. There's no way he's gonna win. You know. Mm. Yeah. So, I, I thought Crusher was. I thought he may have taken the first one. It was darn close. And I thought for sure that he was. Uh, uh, Kovalev was gonna take the second one, but Andre Ward impressed <laughs> the hell out of me. I thought that when he kept going up in weight, his foot movement was a lot slower, so he wouldn't be as elusive. But damn it, I was wrong. Yeah, just unbelievable defense on Andre Ward. And uh, I know we're running out of time. I I, I know we're running out of time, but I have one uh, more question for Gene, if I could. And that's um, in recent boxing history, like let's just say the past decade for like younger listeners and people who are fairly new to the sport. Is there anybody in the game this last decade or so that you think could have survived the ring wars of the old Olympic auditorium <laughs> that could have made a name uh, for themselves there. You know, I, I like, I like, uh, uh, that's a great question. I, I really liked, uh, 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 the guy from Argentina, uh, Maidana, Maidana, but then, you know, he looked, 
I, I, I was, I, I'd really liked his style, but then he, he, then he just flamed out. I mean, just bam, he was gone. Do you uh, think uh, Manny Pacquiao could have uh, won over the crowds you know, there? Manny Pacquiao, when he was on, man, he was, he was an amazing fighter when he was on. Uh, you know, I think Ruben could have beat beaten Manny or Ruben. Ruben, I asked Ruben what time. Oh, would, could you have handled him? He goes, yes. He goes, yeah. He wouldn't have. <laughs> I, the body shots. He wouldn't have been. He wouldn't have been able to take me. He says. Uh, I, I like. I think Pacquiao was. Yes, he's a great fighter, but I don't think he could have stood against the uh, the the Ruben Olivares of his of the day. You know, those guys were tough, man. I mean, uh, not to take anything away from Pac Man, but uh, hey, I don't you know, think Manny Pacquiao him, wants to see a, wants to see a Mexican boxer anytime so. I don't think so. You know, <laughs> no. He he was a, after he was Juan a Manuel Marquez. Yeah, he put him to sleep. So there's and then Pacquiao pulled out of the uh, uh, the Crawford. Uh, uh, what's the guy, the Australian guy? What's his name? Horn. Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn. Jeff, yeah, Jeff, yeah. Jeff Horn. He put. He didn't want to fight in the undercard, so he pulled out of there. He should have taken that. That was an easy fight against Mike Alvarado. Yep. So he pulled out of that, and now he wants to fight Lucas Batiste, who's about 35 years old. It'd be a, you know, it's more competitive, but it's a tougher fight for for Pacquiao. Yeah. Pacquiao, it's just all about pride and and money right now with him. He, he's he's way past his prime at 39 years old. Yeah, we think Mayweather could have won over the crowds in Los Angeles at the day, back in the day. You know they they would oh they would have they would have eaten them for lunch at the Olympic Auditorium. <laughs> That's exactly what I was hoping you'd say. Wow. I mean, uh, I'm I'm not gonna you know Mayweather. Yes, he's a he, he, look at he's fifty and zero. How can you how can you go against that? He fought a lot of great fighters, but his style would have not gone over well at the Olympic Auditorium. Okay. That, that's how I see that. That's how I see that one. All right. Well, Jane, it's been a pleasure. I know I've kept you on the line for a while, man, but I've really that's, that's enjoyed not a problem. it. You know what? Quincy, I love talking boxing with guys who know the sport, like you, uh, Brian, Kevin, and the other gentleman. Where is he? What's his name? Uh, Eminem. He he had to drop off. Eminem. Eminem, uh, yeah, yeah. I enjoy boxing with guys that know what they're talking about. Yeah, Buck's on the line, too. And And, um, Buck has had the pleasure of, I think he's running the Roy Jones a few times down there in Pensacola. Uh, Oh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, he finally, finally, he finally retired. Retired a long time ago. Thank (laughs) God, thank God he finally retired. They didn't want him to. All right, Jane. He's, Let's see. he's pretty sharp. He's pretty sharp in those HBO uh, uh, broadcasts, though. Let me tell you. Yeah, he is very much. He so. does a gr- I, I enjoy seeing uh, uh, Roy Jones Jr. on that. Yeah. Well, Jane, it was a pleasure to speak with you, man. Again, the the name of the book: Mexican American Boxing in Los Angeles. You can get it on yes, Amazon. Sir. Anywhere else they can get the book, or you have any uh, other they, information they, to give to people? If they want, if they want to call me at three two three six nine seven seven one nine seven, 
and uh, or send me a, a message, a private message uh, on Messenger uh, through Facebook, uh, and I'll be sure to get a book out to you. They make great gifts. They're only $20, and they make great gifts. And it is one of the best boxing books you wow, could that, ever that, find. That is such that a compliment, good. Brian. And, and let, me tell you, let me tell you a quick story real quick. That my little boxing book, Mexican American Boxing in Los Angeles, got me inducted into the WBC Legends of Boxing Museum here in Southern California. It got me inducted wow, into the National Boxing Hall of Fame, and it got me Book of the Year from the West Coast Boxing Hall of Fame. So, I'm, oh, I'm well very, deserved so, honors, sir. So proud. Awesome. So proud. Awesome. Okay. And, I, and, and I see you're eating at places like Dantana's and Spago. What's up with that, Gene? <laughs> oh, I, that's, that's the, the fruits of the labor. Have, have you guys <laughs> ever been there? No. Oh, Clint Eastwood never called me and said, stop by Dantana's tonight. I'm sorry. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, the, my, it's my go-to place here in, in, in Los Angeles, without a doubt. You know, you well, then we're going to have to make a trip to L.A., it's uh, let me tell you, you should come out to see a fight, and we'll go have dinner there. It'll blow your mind. Absolutely. I've seen Keanu oh. Reeves there. I've seen uh, Jim Lampley. I've seen uh, Benicio, uh, Benicio del Toro. Beatles are all there. Everybody hangs out there. Cool. You guys would love it. Check it okay. out, Mike. And they have food, so you know we'd love it. And they have the best, the best food there is. Best, the best New York steak you've ever had in your life. All right. Well, again, I appreciate you taking the time, and I appreciate uh, the young brothers for joining. Of course, Brian um, told me about you, and I'm, I'm glad for that because I always like to talk boxing, and I'll definitely have you on again in the future, James. Uh, uh, maybe anytime, we can discuss your new book you. sometime anytime, after June. We can discuss your new book. That that would be a, that'd be my pleasure. Yeah. So okay, Jane Aguilera, everybody, around the pause. Yeah, I appreciate him taking the time to join tonight's show. My thanks to the young brothers Brian and Kevin, my man Buck down in Pensacola, Ray in Jersey, and Eminem in Jackson. And that's gonna do it for tonight's show. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And like I said, follow me on Twitter at TalkToQ. Uh, you can go to the TalkToQ.com website to get some information um, on upcoming podcasts. I'll give you more details on how things are going to relaunch with the show. I'm not going to be live every week like I was at one time, but I'm going to drop podcasts every now and then, um, especially when it comes to sports. Uh, I'm big into football and boxing and um, as long as I have people who want to talk with me about the sport, then I'm going to have a show that's going to discuss it. So to all of you, I hope you all have a pleasant evening and good night.
Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime, and treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com.